Working Class Audio is made possible by the support of Cali Audio, DistroKid, Sampley Audio, Audio Technica, Gearspace, and Grace Design. This is the Working Class Audio Podcast, Session 232. Working Class Audio, navigating the world of recording with a working class perspective. Here's your host, Matt Boudreaux. Thanks, Chuck. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Working Class Audio Podcast. This is session 232 you're listening to. My guest today is Buddy Lee Daubertine, who is a unique guest in many ways. And what's even more unique is the fact that as this episode airs, it comes out on Memorial Day, which we are celebrating here in the United States. And that wasn't planned. And that is what is uh, very fascinating to me as I record this monologue. So let me explain. Buddy is an Iraq war vet. He was in the United States Marine Corps, and he did three tours of duty in Iraq. Three. Yeah. Uh, He uh, was wounded. He came home. And through a series of events, he ultimately ended up creating a nonprofit to help other vets called Pathfinders Outdoors, His Little Studio and Mentoring. So as the name might imply, and if you haven't guessed, it's a combination of hunting and fishing, audio and music with a little bit of electronics thrown in. Buddy creates an environment where fellow vets can, of course, hunt and fish, but also come into Buddy's studio out of his house and learn the craft of recording. If they're not into the recording aspect, they can play the songwriter role and record a song. And if they're not into either of those, they can actually participate in the electronics part of that. For example, imagine a table full of vets building 500 series modules or outboard outboard gear like um, Hairball Audio's 1176 kit. Uh, it's a great organization that really helps vets out who have come home who are hurting physically and mentally. And I'm really honored to have Buddy on today and shine a light on his great organization. So, uh, like I said, this was not planned to come out on Memorial Day, but ironically, it is. The universe works in strange ways. I have a special place in my heart for vets. While, of course, I am no fan of war and I am not going to get political on you, but I have, of course, uh, no fan of the reasons we go to war in many cases. But What I do know is that I am a fan of vets and have an appreciation for the sacrifice that they make and the fact that they go off to do things that maybe is not their first choice of something to do, but they go and they do it and they do it with great honor and they do it uh, in the service of our country here in the United States. And for that, I'm grateful. So uh, it is my honor to have on Buddy Lee Daubertine here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Grab your coffee cups. Let's talk about an old favorite topic of mine, diversification. Now, diversification is a term we often hear associated when it comes to financial dealings, right? And investing. It simply means spread your investments across different financial products to avoid risk, right? In other words, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So when we apply it to audio, it kind of works like this. 
If you divide up your work across multiple audio disciplines, like live sound or recording or voiceovers or transfers, you're not leaving yourself open to a drop in demand for that particular audio need. So let's say that all you do is live sound and the club that you were doing live sound at just got shut down for serving minors alcohol. You're gonna be shit out of luck, right? Well, if that's your only income source. But if you were doing two to three other tasks, then you'll only see a slight drop in income. So you can also mix and match different jobs and not just audio, of course. So for example, maybe you work at Starbucks part-time since they provide health insurance to part-timers. Plus you do live sound at a local club and you do audio cleanup for the local uh, public defender's office or the police department. That gives you multiple income streams. And imagine it like pillars holding up a building. If you have one pillar and it fails and it's the only pillar, well, the building's gonna crumble. But if you have multiple pillars holding up the building, then when one pillar falls, there's not as much stress on the building falling. I think you get it. But the idea is, is don't rely on one thing to provide you with all of your income. Now, if you have a DAW and an interface, you have the makings of a few different audio disciplines to not only serve musicians, but others who might need audio for podcasts, audio cleanup work, audiobooks, voiceovers, etc. And some of you might say, I don't do voiceovers, I'm a music producer. Well, my answer to you is get over it because unless your production skills are paying your bills and you're able to meet your obligations and make sure you're carrying your weight in your relationship with a spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend, then you need to get to work and diversify. Never let ego stand in the way of doing another form of audio work. If you are too cool or too proud to do that, then I wish you luck. But for those that understand and can do multiple things to keep the ship afloat, then uh, that opens up a lot of doors for you and a lot of other work. So have at it. Diversify. That's it. Let's get to it. Let's talk to Buddy Lee Daubertine here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Buddy, thank you so much for being on the show with me. It's a pleasure to have you on. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here with you guys. I mean, I've heard like my heroes have been on this podcast. So plus you're one of my heroes. So, oh man, thank you're you. making me blush. <laughs> well, so let's, let's dive right in. First of all, the reason you're coming on this show is because Owen Curtin sent me a message, former WCA guest Owen Curtin, and he said, you got to check this guy out. He's doing great things with fellow vets, military vets, not veterinarians, folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He said, you're doing a, a studio and you're, you're teaching vets about not only audio, but you're teaching them about electronics and kind of giving them another thing to be drawn to other than the typical things that, you know, maybe vets get involved in after they get home. Yeah. Other traditional trades will say audio is presented as a new possibility. So before we get into that, could you tell me a bit about yourself, your military experience that, that you have and how it brought you into audio? Back in the day, 2001, uh, September, right before 9-11, I joined the United States Marine Corps. I went in as an infantryman into the Special Operations Boat Company of 2nd Battalion, 1st Marines, a Fox Company Raiders. And what we did is, is our job is to sneak in under the cover of darkness, slip into an area and take out a bad guy. So I, I trained, went up in the mountains, learned how to 
be a mountain climber. And so when we come into the beach, when you're sneaking in, either you swim in or you ride a Zodiac in, you scale the beach and you do this. Well, you know, I'm training for mountains. And next thing I know, I go home for Christmas and I get a call. We need to come back from Christmas, like literally the day before that we were deploying and we're watching the TV and we're seeing all this stuff about Iraq and where we're not going to take it. So uh, six days later, we deployed out of San Diego, visited a few places along the way, I think Philippines and Singapore and maybe Thailand. I can't remember. Just a lot of places. And the typical things military guys do is drink, fight and do all kinds of just crazy things. So we did. We started heading that way and I was trained to go to Afghanistan. So I was expecting to, you know, see mountains. They said, hey, we're going to get off the boat next week and you're going to fly off and we're going to Kuwait. And I thought, wow, this is a long ways from Afghanistan when I trained. Everything I did was for Afghanistan. So a lot of times we sit around, pick guitars and stuff like that. Music was completely huge for this type of thing. So uh, we went into Kuwait. We lived like lizards for a long period of time. And they moved us right onto the border. And the night before the war, you could literally see Scud missiles flying over you. And they were landing like a couple miles from us. But you could see the explosions where the missiles were landing all around us. And we got the call tomorrow we're going in. I remember that. We pushed in and it was hard, fast, and with our unit, we took down um, Navy port. We were decorated as from a presidential unit citation from the president for our actions as a unit. We got the Navy unit and Marine unit or all kinds of unit awards. We took down the largest port for a small unit. We did it with about a couple hundred guys. We took down a port about the size of bigger than the city I live in now outside of San Antonio in a town called Spring Branch, a whole city. We did it all on foot, no trucks. I mean, we moved us in. We just went from street to street, house to house. A few days in, we were moving along and we didn't have enough vehicles to push forward because some of our trucks got taken out or broken or whatever. So as we were pushing in, I got severely wounded, suffered massive head trauma, and I woke up in a field hospital. That's it. You know, I went through and nailed it. We went through the city and took it out. That I mean, that's an experience that I've never had. It takes a, a very brave person with great sacrifice because in some cases you're sent to places and you're doing things that maybe you wouldn't make the decision on your own, but you follow orders, you do the job that's asked of you, and that's that's it. Now, do I have my information correct? Did you not do three tours? Yes, I did three tours. Actually, I got wounded during my first tour. And after my first tour, I rehabbed for about 10 months and I learned to walk without braces and crutches. Met my beautiful and wonderful wife, Tyra, who loved me when they told me I was never going to walk and that I would never be able to totally function. So I rehabbed and actually I did two tours back to back. I got really injured on my second tour. And then I did a third tour after we were married and that didn't go so well. One of my best friends got killed and yeah, it was a, it was a real tough tour. I went there with third battalion, first Marines. I was in the PSD and I was one of the sergeants in the S3. I was a PSD. I guarded people. I guarded several colonels, lots of stuff. PSD meaning private security detail? Yes, sir. Okay. Personal security detachment. The same exact thing. It's just, just a few different things. And I got out and... They told me I wouldn't really be able to do much. The VA gave me 100%. 
And like a lot of veterans, I thought about suicide. You know, for us, that's a, that's a huge, how do you say it's an escape. It's not that you hate life, but you're tired of the pain. And, you know, music was always, that's why I love this. I listen to your podcast every week. It's so amazing. Hear all the different guys. That's why it's such an honor to be here. And, you know, music saved my life. And it was the biggest example of the military is getting out. I mean, like even when we're in the city, we were to get through every day. I mean, just, just to give you an example of life, you wake up, you're hating life. I mean, you, you, you average between four and six hours sleep a day. That's an average. The most you will ever get in Iraq is six hours. You will never get more than six hours. I, I usually lived off between four and four and a half a night. So music and when you're listening to records over there, you just look at it. I mean, you're like, wow, the music is so huge for us in Iraq. Like Toby Keith came over and saw us. We got to see Toby Keith. And when you wake up, it's just, it's huge for us. So that's when I got out, I uh, really turned to music. When you're there, there's obviously, it's not exactly a sonically pleasant environment. So you're dealing with potential hearing loss. And in your case, you were, you, you were wounded in the first two tours. Mm -hmm. Your vision was, was compromised a bit and you had some physical injuries on the rest of your body. So when you talk about the thought of suicide, you're not only dealing in physical pain, but you're also dealing in psychological pain, I assume, because you've Absolutely. probably seen some things that a lot of us never see. And it's the horrors of war, period. Yeah, I saw some of the most heinous things and it, it really makes you really sit down and realize that life is cheap when you see, you know, young kids put in the middle of combat, whether it be them combatants, you're fighting 11, 12 year old kids. I mean, you're battling them or, you know, during an IED attack or a VBID, which is a vehicle born IED, and you're seeing those kids get used. And then you come back to the States and you're trying to get on with your life. It's like, it's like one day you're this, I'm, I was this platoon sergeant. And then the next day I'm a nobody. So the horrors that you see over there is just unbelievable. A lot of guys, you know, say they didn't see much, you know, but in the infantry and where I served, you know, that was a daily occurrence. It, it wasn't, I mean, we saw dead bodies constantly and it wasn't just that it's like, after a while, you make jokes about it, like not jokes about the bodies. No, absolutely not. That's not. But like you're going to the bathroom on a porta john and you get mortared or rocketed and you're just like, I should run. But eh, oh, well, my time's up. My time's up. And you just finish taking a dump or whatever, you know, and it's, <laughs> you, you just hear the Marines joke around because I was in the Marines, you know, like we would joke around like we talk to each other like, hey, this one's for you, buddy. Here it comes. And you could hear him because it sounds like a whistle coming in. And then it's just like, oh. Boom, boom. And when you come back and you start hearing, like yesterday, something cool happened. I was on the phone with one of our veterans. I heard a, a backfire. The, my lawn man fired his, up his lawnmower and it backfired. And I was back in Iraq. I mean, when you hear stuff like that, like it really puts you in a bad place where you just don't realize the emotions. So when you come back and you're, like for me, I wanted to get in the music business. I've always did. I love music since I was a little kid. I grew up in a small town of about 700 to 1,000 people. My granddaddy was a sideman for the tons of famous bands. 
my mom sang, my dad ran sound for my mom doing karaoke. And then you come back and try to get in this business and there's lots of loud sounds. And it's, it's hard when the guy next to you doesn't realize when, you know, you have music with tons of bass and say you're in another room and they, that kick drum starts going boom, boom. And it like puts you in that bad place. It's so good to have other Marines and other friends around. Right. Who understand where you're coming from. Right. Because I'm sure it's also hard to come home from the horrors of war and come into everyday life where people are, have their own, you know, (laughs) their own issues and, and self-absorbed kind of mentality in some cases. And, but also an innocence to, to, to their life that you're seeing a dark side and you're seeing a light side, a happy side of, of life. So I'm sure it's, it's hard mentally to kind of get your head around that and decompress when you come home. And I'm sure that time that it takes to decompress is a long time. I mean, just because you go to Iraq doesn't mean you don't see happy stuff. I mean, like just pulling practical jokes on each other. There's memories that I have my friend Wallace and Pew and all the other guys that I went with. So many of these guys, we have all these special memories. Like a, it's it's more than a fraternity. It's an actual family. It's it's a brotherhood. I mean, yeah, I saw horrible things. I saw mass graves. But yet I also seen a, a country liberated from a dictator. And anyone that's never saw, they said there was never any chemical weapons. Part of my illness is because I came across a chemical weapon. So we we stopped a country. We found more than 5,000 chemical weapons. There was enough chemical weapons to take out Israel. I mean, I don't think they had the technology to take out Israel, but there was enough components to take out a massively large group of people. And at that time, the dictator was gassing the Kurds. He was killing people, the rape, the torture. So someday when Iraq gets stable, and I believe someday it you know, a lot of people don't, but in my heart, I got to believe that we did something over there for the good. You know, I can't always think negative that everything's screwed up. Someday, if it gets back in order, we're, they're going to look back and say, oh my gosh, there's an elected government. Right. It may not be perfect, but you know, that's something that I can look back and when I die someday, I can say, wow, you know, we did something good. Tell me about coming home and for the, for the last time from the Middle East and how did audio become part of your world? I know that music's kind of been a part of your world for some time, but how did audio specifically yeah. enter into your world? This is this is honestly the best part of the interview for me because it's such a good memory. It's so good. So when I got out of the military or when I was coming, when I, my last tour, I got home, I remember walking and knowing that this is the end for me. I was going to have to take off this uniform And I love being a Marine. I mean, nothing more in my life have I ever loved besides my wife more than the Marine Corps. And uh, I get off. I, I, you know, eventually I come back and I meet this crazy coot, man. I mean, this guy is just a lunatic. He'd fit right in with us. His name was Dave Alvarez. And he was like, I, I started writing songs and there, this thing come out. MySpace. I mean, a lot of people are like, what's MySpace? But back in the day for us, if you wanted to get your songs out there, you had to record them. So I had these little recorders and they just wasn't coming out. So my friend says, you know, you can record with your computer. And I just said, what? Ding, 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 ding. And it was so funny because so I, I my friend says, oh, you can get a Pro Tools set up. 
you know, it's only like $45,000, you know, 2000. And I'm like, say what? Like, there's no way. And he goes, yeah, you could use your GI bill. So I called my friend, Dave, this guy was in our small group at church. He's like, come over. I've worked with sublime and all these guys. I don't know if he did, but if he did, you know, he was a great audio engineer. I heard his stuff and he was great. So he brought me over and he says, here, man, I, I'm going to give you this software. It's called acid pro. <laughs> and, uh, that might flash back, but it was like acid pro, I think two or three. So, I mean, it was the original acid pro. And I remember digging into that and recording and he says, go back and fix that guitar part. And I just said, what? Like, what in the world are you talking about? Like, I can go back and refix it. He goes, yeah, you can just play the little parts, put crossfades in, and it'll be fine. I kind of interned with him for a while. And, you know, every day was horrors for me. I mean, at that time, I had just come home. There's a lot of personal issues going on, really emotional problems. So I started writing these songs about Iraq and what I was going through. And I started recording them. And every time I do that, I'd be like, Oh, wow. So then I started adding to my gear collection, you know, and I, I went to college and I asked my wife, I said, well, I don't think I'm going to go to college. And she says, well, you should. And I go, well, if I, you get my GI bill, can I buy some computer equipment? So I started buying everything. I bought a Neumann mic right off the bat, but I didn't think about interfaces. So I bought this like cheap, you know, inbox that was used and terrible interface. But here I had this Neumann mic. And the first time I recorded in my apartment, we could actually hear a guy fart outside. <laughs> my wife goes, yeah, great. You get a $2,000 microphone and you can hear the guy pass gas outside. I really dug into it. And then I upgraded to SoundForge. I got into SoundForge, which you know, those are dinosaurs. Those are, I think, are they still around? Do you know if they're... I have no idea about that. I took these horrible songs in this $2,000 microphone. I made this horrible recording and I sent it to this guy named Jamie Oldacre. I don't know if you heard of him. That's Eric Clapton's drummer, played for Bob Seger, the Bee Gees. And he sent it back. He, he kind of got back with me and he's like, oh man, this is a terrible recording. <laughs> it's almost hard to hear. It's almost hard to get through it, but I hear your song. I know you're a veteran. Why don't you come to Texas? We're doing this album because I heard about this album they're doing for veterans. Where are you living at this time? I'm living in California. I, I'm just out of the military. What part of California were you living? I was living in Dana Point, California. Okay. Right outside of Camp Pendleton. Okay. So I'm living right outside of Dana Point, Camp Pendleton. And I asked my wife, I'm like, you know, this guy wants me to fly there. And she's like, hmm. I think this is a scam. They're going to do something. So I fly out there and there's this organization called Voices of a Grateful Nation. And they took this record and I got to see the process of a professional recording studio. This is kind of the story I was telling you. Like we go in there and I, right off the bat, I get to, he's in there drumming. He comes out and he literally comes out and says, hey, I'm, I'm Jamie. And he's just the nicest guy. I met all these guys, Mike Morgan, all this stuff. And I see them. I've been seeing them record for the last four hours while they're cutting the songs. I come out and say, I'm Buddy. I got that song, Soldier's Prayer. So make a long story short, they cut it. And I tell him, I say, I said, I want to work those. And I was pointing at this huge console. I said, but I'll never be able to do it. He goes, oh, I know you could do it. He goes, all the crazy stuff you've been through, working a big mixing board is easy. I mean, it's simple. He's like, any idiot could do it. Look at him or whatever. And pointed <laughs> at this Grammy-winning engineer. He goes, that idiot can do it. I mean, you could definitely do it. You know, you're a Marine. I'm like, I could break this thing, but I don't know about working it. So I walk over there and he goes, I don't mean now. I mean, you said you got a GI Bill. 
why don't you go to school? So I thought, man. So I applied to Berkeley College of Music, went there. Uh, I did the online program. I, I studied under Alejandro. Anyways, he did Mariah Carey records, New Kids on the Block. Don Was came in and like did this online interview. And I got to like get to know Don Was like really well. We used to email each other back and forth. Phil Brown, who did like Led Zeppelin back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now we're talking. I mean, Phil Brown's brother, Terry, I got to talk to them guys once and I got hooked. I mean, it was bad. Hey, our friends over at DistroKid have created the DistroKid app for Android, which allows you to do some key things such as check your stats from Apple and Spotify, edit release metadata, upload new releases, and a host of other features. And remember, WCA listeners get 30% off your first year at DistroKid. And if you just head on over to workingclassaudio.com slash WCA30, you can follow the link, get your 30% off, and be off to the races. So check our friends out at DistroKid and make sure and get your 30% off by going to workingclassaudio.com slash WCA30. By this time, I kind of know what I'm doing a little bit. And this project I was working with, I kind of realized maybe it wasn't for me. And they slowly faded away. They had all these hit guys, Mark Benno, all these Texas just huge stars and Americana artists came out. Susan Gibson, who wrote Wide Open Spaces. And I got to be in the process of them cutting a record. I mean, I got to watch them help write songs. Was in the studio for a very long time, like like a year, watching them do that. And I just said, I got to do that. I'm going to do that for a living. But the problem is, as a veteran, there's so much stuff out there there's, I, I Googled at the time, I said, is there any free programs, you know, that I can use my Berkeley certificates and Berkeley degrees to get with guys and record? So I, I emailed all kinds of studios, but at the time I was going blind. So I, you know, I couldn't see, I couldn't drive. So I said, you know, I can come two days a week. And they're like, yeah, we're not really looking for guys like that. You could come and hang out, but really can't get you in the recording process because everything you learned at Berkeley, just forget it. you know, like that whole college thing, just forget it. So I wanted to, I really wanted to get in the audio, but there was really no outlet for me. There's, there's really no one taking how many years you've been doing this. Oh, only a year and a half, two years that I went to college. You know, I went also went to the art Institute of Austin. They tell me, why don't you move to Texas and you can get involved in the Texas music scene. At that point, I was at the lowest in my life and I made a plan to commit suicide and I was going to carry it out. I bought a handgun I put an ad on Craigslist that, uh, you know, I'm looking for a guy to hunt, fish, and specifically record. And I thought no one's going to respond to this. And I said, I'm giving myself three days. And if I don't, I'm done. On the third day, I was sitting on my bed and this guy calls and says, hey, man. And he said it just like this. He goes, hey, man, I'm Mike Nixon. I saw your ad and I thought, man, anybody puts this in there. This is like things like two peas, not in a pod, you know, like nothing matches. You know what I'm saying? Like, audio and then hunting and fishing like most people that hunt fish don't really geek out on you know neve compressors or great river universal audio so he called me up and i said all right i'll come see you i remember taking the handgun down and saying i don't know man i don't know if i can trust this guy so i uh gave him a shot and about a year went by (laughs) i was so hooked on audio it made me feel it was the only time in my life that i truly felt normal You know what I'm saying? Like when you suffer from PTSD and you're going blind every day, like when I texted you earlier and said, Hey man, can we, can we try to do this earlier? 
I'm glad we didn't because I fought with the VA until that's why I was like, maybe after you sent that message, like five or six minutes, because I fight with the VA or health people every day. I fight with them. So, but when I'm recording, that's not in my mind. My mind is the mix. Yeah. You know, somebody told me one time, you always got to serve the song. Mm-hmm. Song is king. And so Mike saved my life. After several months, he said, Hey man, if this, I told him, I told him what I was doing. And he said, why don't you start something like this? So I don't know. Start something like what? What he did for me. Like he, he called me up and said, Hey man, he goes, why don't you do that to other people? He goes, I'm sure there's other vets that love audio. Yeah. So what, what Mike was to you was, was, uh, was a friend and a, and a peer and a mentor who had a love for hunting and fishing, but audio as well. Yes, sir. I love Mike. Mike's my brother. I, I wouldn't consider him anything but a brother. And he, what he did for me was just unbelievable. He, he taught me there's more to helping someone than giving them a microphone or giving them a donation or taking them on this great hunt or adventure or come in my studio and record one day. Mike was the guy I called in between those times and said, you know, hey, fart face, what are you doing today? Are you polluting the world with your gas or what? You know, just <laughs> Mike was a friend. So it took a long time for me to think. And I said, there's a lot of vets out there that needed friends. And I don't know if I started the program or the program started me about what I'm going to talk about next. Yeah. Well, tell, tell us about the program and, and what, you know, what this morphed into. What it morphed into it, it morphed into this organization. We started off with mostly doing hunting, hunting and fishing because I could still see a little bit. And we also did audio. We did like songwriting. And I had this, like I said, I still had that inbox and I still had that Neumann. By then, Dan Kennedy of Great River sent out some Great River pre's and no questions asked. He's like, hey, if I, if I can get a donation receipt, okay. If not, I really don't care. I want to help you because you know, I'm a great, he didn't say this, but Dan Kennedy from Great River Prees is a great guy. And Larry, Larry from ADK, he sent us out some more microphones, a little more aimed at what we we're doing than just the TLM 103 with the non-treated acoustic room. So we brought out this veteran and uh, this is the one I told you about the other day. Yeah. We, we brought him out and he come in the house. Normally my wife hates me bringing just in the random person in our house. Sorry to interrupt, but in your house is your studio. Yes, sir. Right. Oh, this is kind of a tough one. He came to our house and I was like, Hey man, let's, let's record the song. We, we sat down and we went over the structure and he was like, you know, as you can see me on the camera, he was bouncing around just, yeah, man. And I'm like, dude, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah I'm okay. I'm, I'm, you know, living the dream, living the dream. And I, and I knew something was wrong and I just got this gut feeling that something was wrong. And finally he kept saying, we're recording it. And I had a, we also teach part of our program is we teach audio engineering, just the basics, what I learned in Berkeley. I'm no expert, but so I, I started teaching them the basics and how to EQ and side chaining and just, just basic stuff, mixing and stuff. So this guy was helping me out and he kept saying, man, there's something up with this guy. Like, I think he's going to pull a gun on you. So finally, I was like, man, the Chris Kyle thing had just happened. So I straight up asked him, I was like, dude, are you safe? Do you have a gun with you? And he's like, no, I don't think so. That was really disconcerting. I don't think so? Yeah, he said, I don't think so. So I said, man, we need to talk. 
well, we need it. We need to talk. And I brought him out in my living room. I said, sit down. I said, what's the deal here, man? And as I was telling him, you could just see, I thought he was going to explode. And I'm like, one thing I did in the military, I was a chief martial arts instructor for the Camp Pendleton for a while. So I'm like, I can handle myself. So he looked like he was going to explode. And then tears just started rolling. And you know, like when tears start rolling, how they just, they just pour. And he goes, can you follow me? And I'm like, yeah, he goes, follow me out to my truck, my car. He had this like Subaru hatchback kind of thing. And he pops the trunk. Maybe it was a Honda. I don't know. But anyways, he pops the trunk and there's an old shotgun sitting there. I was telling you, this is an old double barrel. Yeah, I was freaked out. And he goes, do you mind if I touch this? And I said, if you touch it, I'm taking you down, man. I, I got to for my safety. You know, you can't touch the gun. And he goes, I'm going to reach in here. I'm like, okay, I'm watching you. Don't reach towards that gun. And he pulls out this bag and I'm looking at it and I can see it had something in it. And he pulls out this anchor rope. And then he looks down this ladder that he said he's going to climb in a tree and hang himself that night. And I, I began to weep. I, I sobbed, man. I, I couldn't believe that someone was that in that bad of shape that they couldn't reach out to the vet center. And that was my true first experience with seeing someone about to commit suicide. So what we did is, you know, part of what we did is mentorship where I learned my healing process was that friend that texts me twice a week and called me twice a week and, you know, sent messages over Facebook now and then. And this guy didn't have that. And he was in so much pain. He was going to hang himself that night. Like you could tell this guy was no joke. He wasn't just some guy reaching out for attention. One part of the story that you had told me in our prior discussions to this interview is that you you guys, as you were recording a song together, he kept saying, no, it's got to be perfect. It's got to be perfect. And he, yeah. he kept hammering away at that. Tell us about why he wanted it to be perfect. Part of it, part of the reason why I brought him out there was because he kept saying, this has got to be perfect. This has got to be perfect. And the engineer was like, dude, I'm had enough. I mean, you can only have someone. I'm like, does he think it sucks? I mean, and then finally I told him, I'm like, we only got an M box and these, these pieces of gear. We really don't have a great signal chain, but we want to get your ideas down. And then when we went to the car, he goes, this was my suicide letter to my daughter. I wanted to tell her I loved her. And there was this story, this, this song that, it portrayed, and I should have known it right off the bat, but it portrayed this guy that goes away, but he remembers his daughter growing up. And then he, he tells his daughter how much he loves her in the end and he dies. He suddenly dies. So that was, that was how that song was, is it ended as he suddenly dies. And you know with this guy, because somebody cared and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but because somebody cared like me and this other engineer that helped out, I can't even remember the engineer's name. But I bet you that guy that chose not to commit suicide remembers that engineer's name. I bet you that guy that almost committed suicide remembers everything that day. His life was changed. We got him. I knew something was wrong. And part about our program at that time was if there was anybody suicidal, we would you know, refer them to the vet centers. Because across America, there's a suicide hotline. I don't have it in front of me, but if you ever feel like you want to commit suicide, call that suicide hotline. Those people are legit. They're real. They're for you. There's also a veterans crisis line that you should reach out to. But, you know, so that was, that was what we did. And we reached out to him and I kept, we kept in close contact for several years. He now works in the oil company. He's now an executive. At the time, what I found out later was the guy didn't have a job and he was losing his home. But because he went into the hospital, the VA had some programs. They saved his house 
saved from losing his house. His family got some counseling. His family didn't know that he was hurt. And he was one of those guys that didn't want to tell his daughter or his wife, you know, proud guy that was too proud to tell him that he needed help. Let me interject for one sec, if I may. The, yeah, uh, please do. The Veterans Crisis Line is 1-800-273-8255 in the United yes, States. Sir. And uh, you're supposed to call that number and press 1. But you can also go to veteranscrisisline.net to yes. get texting and chatting going if you need it or support for deaf and hard of hearing folks. So I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. So what we started doing is, is we realized that we had something. You know, we had some. So what we did is we started getting more gear. And uh, I went back to the GI Bill. Love that GI Bill. And I bought like an antelope interface and bought a bunch of stuff. And we really started impacting veterans by the droves, not just onesies and twosies, but we go to breakfasts, we do all kinds of stuff. And then I met Owen Curtin on Facebook. And Owen, I was watching Owen's post and I saw about Owen doing a lot of do-it-yourself gear. And this veteran calls me up, and we ended up having a veteran who, he built weapons for the Navy, electronic warfare, like non-lethal weapons. He does, he developed them for the military. So I call him up, and I said, hey, Don. He goes, hey, man, if you ever want to do electronics. So we just started all these different programs, and I reached out to Cappy, Jeff Steiger, great guy. And he goes, I, I can't give these to you, but you know, I'll hook you up. I reached out to some guys, and I said, hey, you know, are you interested in doing some electronics? Oh yeah. We don't get into that audio stuff, but we love building electronics. Wow. Audio is kind of like right now, kind of our main wheel that turns, but a lot of it, we keep adding spokes to the wheel, you know, like different areas that lead to the center point. So we built some cappy gear and then I reached out to hairball. I, I thought, you know, I'm going to reach out to these guys and I emailed them and they said, Hey guy, for you guys, we'll sell them to you for this. And I said, that's exactly what we had budgeted. So currently, we're working on some 1176s. I got two blue faces right now, and next month, we're going to buy two. I'll probably get with you later and ask you some more questions about 1176s because we're going we're gonna to build two more 1176s, and these guys are having a ball. They're having fun. They're getting into audio, which you know I know most of the guys on here that you've had on this previous podcast have, you know, these guys are giants like Billy Decker. I reach out to Billy Decker all the time and the guys from URM and all these different people are reaching out in the community are, are reaching out to help us. I mean, it's, it's amazing how the community has taken these veterans who I love and they're really supporting us. Like right now, currently, I can show you this on Telefunken, a Telefunken M80. You know how I got this? Tony Fishman from Telefunken, he reached out to us and said, you know, hey, man, I want to send you some mics. And we're still working in the process. You know, they said they would get us some 251, the new Alchemy series. These companies who they're really helping us out. We cannot do it without them. Right. So a story about audio. Like, so I have this veteran, you know, he's like, he's all creative. He, he loves creative. His name's Tony Santana. And he was going to be on here. I was going to actually have him do like a quick show, but he couldn't today. Just show his face. Yesterday, we come over and we're wanting to have better acoustics here in this room. So you see right over my left shoulder, I wanted to show that. Yeah. That's an acoustic panel that a veteran built yesterday. Yeah. And for the audience, there's this very nice looking acoustic panel behind in the background here. And it looks very pro. 
it, it's as pro as pro can be. I mean, it's covered and finished and it has special, we buy custom insulation for that. And this guy built it yesterday as, as you can go to his little studios on Facebook and soon to be on his little pathfinders, hlsm.org. You'll be able to see these pictures of all these different projects these guys are doing. And so far this year, we've helped We've done 312 mentoring sessions since January 1st. Three days ago when I was talking to you, we did we did our 300th. So we've done 12 in three days. What we consider a mentoring session is a minimum of 30 minutes on the phone with a brother or 30 minutes or, you know, a long conversation on Facebook or come over to my house. Like as soon as I get off here, I have a veteran coming over that needed help. So sometimes we go a little beyond audio. Like this guy needed, he's helping us raise funds for our studio. And I asked him, he's like, oh man, I'm just so hot. I'm like, well, don't you have AC in the truck? He goes, well, actually our AC went out. And I'm like, well, how much does it fix? He goes, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, he's got kids in other states from previous marriages. And he's like, we got to drive across state. I don't know if you know, I'm in Texas. I mean, there's two things in Texas. Cows and heat. I mean, <laughs> and lots of music. I mean, a lot of heat. So I was like, man, you're going to drive up there. When you drive up there, it's going to be 100 degrees and you're going to be in a car with a bunch of kids. So our ministry, I reached out to some of our sponsors. One of them was Don. And I said, hey, man, do you think, do you know anybody that can do this? And Don, our guy inside our organization, like we're a gorilla type organization. We take guys and we bring them inside. So now they're leaders but yet they're still participants. So it's, they're still in this brotherhood. It's like bringing a family together. It's almost like closest example is a church. You know, you still have a pastor or whatever, but yet you still have all these people underneath and we all work together. I mean, we all help each other. So Don helped this guy get a new air conditioning. So now this guy's going to come over today and we're going to work on audio. Today, we're going to be working on teaching him so he's been taking some classes, which I got from a guy in Australia, which I can't remember his name for the life of me, wish I could give him a shout out. He is going to be working on EQs today. We're going to teach him the basics of how to do an EQ, you know, the Q and actual, you know, scooping and everything else. And he, he has no clue. He's never done anything with EQ. The other day, we just taught him how to just basically mix with levels. And today he's going to learn about EQs. About a year and a half ago, I signed up for Sampley.app and I have to report back and say that I'm completely thrilled with it and it's working out quite well. It gives me the ability to upload mixes and masters to the website and provide a super pro looking interface for my clients. They can drop comments in the timeline. They can listen on any device. They can listen to it in high res. And if I want them to pay for the mix or master before they download it because of the Stripe integration, I can set that up. There's also Dropbox integration, which allows me to quickly create a folder in my Dropbox, which automatically syncs with Samply, makes it much more simple. You should check it out for yourself, but there's a deal to be had. So use the code WCA20. Go to Samply.app or Samply.app. Use the code WCA20, get 20% off, and you'll be off to the races. It's a fantastic tool that I think you're going to enjoy and will definitely make you look a lot more pro when you're delivering files to clients. Skip that whole business where you send it to them over Dropbox. That looks totally amateur at this point. Use Samply.app and use that code WCA20, and I think you're going to be really thrilled. Sampley.app. Check it out.
So Billy Decker sent out his bus glue and all these different plugins from the Joey Sturgis group. Oh yeah. Have you have you tried those? I have not. At some point I will, but yeah, Billy's Billy's a great guy and also former WCA guest. Very friendly, very nice guy. So this guy's coming over here. Like if I have an issue, I'll just call it Billy or like Joel Wanashek. I think I'm saying his name right, but I don't want to butcher it. But either way, Joel from URM or Isle, just all these people are coming together. I mean, I can just literally, as I'm looking around the studio, I'm like about ready to cry, but we could always use help. I mean, there's like so many areas that we, you know, we're, we're, we're missing. Well, so let's, I want to make sure that the message is clear here to those listening. So the name of the, the organization that helps vets that you're doing, what's the official name? Well, the official name is Pathfinder Outdoors, His Little Studio Mentoring. That's the actual name. But if you look on the IRS, it's Pathfinder Outdoors. We are a 501c3. We are governed by a board. It's not just me. Right now, we're currently operating out of $200 a month. So we do a lot of in-house barbecuing, uh, going to get some hot dogs. A lady in our community the other day baked cookies. So if you go to our Facebook page, I think afterwards I'm going to post on your Facebook page a bunch of the pictures of all the stuff the people in the community have come together to like treat these vets because there's nothing out there. Like there's tons of places to learn veterans how to teach guitar that's at the VA. But if you want to learn audio and how to be an audio engineer, there's three in the country right now. Three. Up to my investigation, there's three and only two of us are free. Hmm. I mean, there's hundreds that'll let veterans come in, but it's still three or $4,000. And I understand people got to eat, but I'm already paid. I'm 100% from the VA. So I get my 100%. So I, I can, I'm able to donate my time and we're getting tons of people to donate their time. I've said his name five times. Billy Decker will answer a call at 10 a.m. from a salesman and he'll say, how's you doing, man? You having a good day? I mean, he's just the nicest guy. Daniel Robert Ford, they call him Dr. Ford out in Tennessee. I ask him all the time, Joe Vizzetti. You know, these are guys, Dave Perlman. I'll tell you something, Dave Perlman of Perlman Mics were the first mic company ever to send us a mic. We didn't have a 501c3. I reached out to him and he sent us a mic. That was the first microphone we ever have. I ask Dave all the time for advice. Dave's awesome. If you're in a normal nonprofit that deals with audio, they're not allowed to really help with the, the fridge. But for us, we deal with mostly mentoring, which is like one-on-one teaching the audio stuff. I'm no super expert. I've been a part of probably 15 or 20 total records. And I've worked with some of the crappiest artists on the planet. So, I mean, if you can make them sound halfway decent where they're happy, I mean, you got enough skill to teach someone else. So if you're listening and you say, I record at my home, I can't help somebody. If you know how to do an EQ compression and hit the record button, you can mentor someone else. Because remember, I was that guy who sat at his house with a pistol when some guy reached out to me. Yeah, he's a professional recording artist. But I can tell you what, for that guy that came to our studio, we had an M-Box and a Neumann TLM-103, which obviously you don't need the TLM-103 or anything like that. But we had like Pro Tools 5 or 6 or whatever. LE, it was an LE version. You know, and here we started this, we were helping guys with nothing. We didn't have any of this gear. I mean, you know, sitting here with microphones. So, I mean, we didn't have any of this gear, but we did it. And I think anyone that's listening, they can do it. What would your advice be to other vets who are not in your part of the country? They can reach out to us because we're not just, we don't just work with Central Texas. Mm -hmm. We actually work all over the world. 
because what we do is we mentor, like Matt, how are we talking right now? We're talking over video chat from Texas to California. So yeah, I get it. We can do video chats. Like I can see your gear in the background. I could literally take this camera or we could do this and I can take my phone and I can actually point to my settings. Maybe you have different gear, but basically like an EQ is an EQ. I yeah. mean, they might be built a little different, but it's still an EQ. Concepts are all the same. Yeah. A compressor is a compressor. And if you don't have gear, we'll try to find a way to get you enough gear that you can basic record. What people don't know is there's so much free stuff. Maybe you listen to this and say, man, I've always wanted to get into audio and I'm going to school for it, but I don't have any money. Well, I don't know if anybody knows there's light versions. There's there's Pro Tools first, free version. Yeah. Free version. There's Audacity and there are all kinds that are free. Yeah. And I originally started out with a 57 and a 58 in a Behringer little mixer. And my song that got cut, that was Texas charted. That's how that song got cut. I mean, it, we didn't record it in the studio that way, but that's how that song got out there. I mean, you can learn so much. Yeah, I recommend just learning. I mean, I'm a lifetime learner of things that you can do. You can use YouTube, pure mix, URM. I mean, there's all these different things that you can do, but if you reach out to us and you're a vet, we can help you. I have kind of a naive question. How do you verify that somebody is a vet? And have you ever encountered people who pose as vets? I love this question. When I got involved with the project once, a guy said he was a vet and he was playing with a national touring band that y'all know, said he was a Vietnam veteran. Turns out he wasn't. And I got $25,000 donated to build him a garage that he could jam in and put his car in. And I got the cement donated, which was 13000 the day before we started construction, this lady says, what's his name? And, you know, I just thought never question a vet on their stuff. Turned out he was in the military, but he was never a combat veteran and he was not a Purple Heart recipient. And he was on this website that said phony balonies. So I didn't investigate one time and it bit, bit me right in square in the ass. Wow. It costed me about three months of work. And then this guy plagiarized my song, stole my song. And so you got to be real careful what you do out there. If you wanted to work out with us and you wanted to verify a vet, you can always ask them to see their DD-214. It's the paper you're given when you're discharged from the military. Okay. That's a common document. And it's not offensive to say, hey, man, you got some proof. So if you're out there and you want to help a vet, be careful for scammers. I would definitely ask to see a DD-214. You know, a lot of guys, I don't have to check them. I mean, you can just, a lot of times you just know. A lot of my guys, I just know they're a veteran. I mean... For a guy to get $20,000 in moto tats on my arm, I have a, a special operations logo right here on my elbow, a Raider tat. I mean, anyone can just go get a tattoo like that. But I mean, a lot of times in the conversation, if you're a vet, you'll know he's not a vet. You have a sense of it. Now, does it matter if they've been in combat or not? Can they? With us, absolutely not. Okay. A little number for me. I, I served with 3rd Battalion, 1st Marines from, I think, 2005 to 2006. And we've had almost 70 or 80 commit suicide from them out of a unit less than a thousand. Wow. So the lesson here is, folks, is audio can really bring us a lot of pleasure. And for a vet, it can play a very special part in their life. It can really refocus them and give them some different hope that they might not otherwise have had. And while it may not be a full-time gig, it can definitely be a very powerful outlet to really come together, you know, as you said, in a, in a familial type situation, 
but also just to really like put electronic skills to use and also become an avenue for those that have a lot of pain inside and also have some songwriting skills. So you combine that, the electronics, the audio, the, the, the actual recording, the whole package is a very important aspect of what you're doing, I, I would say. I say you're 100% right. So when you're suffering and you're truly struggling, grab a pen and paper and just start journaling out those ideas and then write them into a song. If you don't know how to write a song, reach out to us. We'll teach you how to write a song. And then you record them, usually on a scratch track or a demo. And then after you get them worked out, you go in the studio, like in here, what we're doing here. Then they go to get mixed. Then they get mastered. And then when you see them on stage performing and you hear them on the radio or even if it's in your CD player, there's so much satisfaction. I can't imagine the satisfaction painters get. You know, I'm a horrible artist. Like, I, I couldn't draw to save my life. And if you had me write out this anything, I'd be I have to de- decline. Yeah. But I love it how painters paint a picture. And it all, always started with one stroke. So my challenge is you got to take that first stroke to paint Mona Lisa. You got to take that first step. If you're hurting and if you're truly hurting, you got to take that first step. You can reach out to us. His little studios and mentoring on Facebook. It's listed under his little studios or our webpage. Yeah. Pathfinders hlsm.org. We just switch web pages. So probably if you went to com or org, you'd probably reach either one of us. Well, we'll make sure and put all the links in the show notes on Working Class Audio. So if you're a vet and you want to reach out to the organization, the links will be in the show notes. So go to workingclassaudio.com. Well, buddy, we're almost out of time here. Okay. But man, I really appreciate what you're doing. I think it's a fantastic use of you know, not only the craft of recording, but it's a great use of time to teach more people audio. Thank you so much. I want to thank you for your service. I thank you sir. very much appreciate it. And it's an honor to know you. And I'm glad that we can do some future work together. Yes, sir. In an effort to help vets coming home. We all may not always agree on some of the reasons war happens, but at the end of the day, when you come home, you're a vet and you're one of ours and we want to make sure that we take care of our vets thank you so much sir for allowing us to be on here like i've been doing this alone for almost 10 years and it's lately i've been getting so much support it's just wow you know me and my wife been paying for everything ourselves and now people are really starting to help and I just thank you for letting us come on here. I'm, you know, just a nobody and I'm on working class audio, which is. Oh, come on, dude. No, we've had this discussion. You are, in, you're not a nobody. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. So I appreciate the time that you've taken to come on the show and explain this. So thank you to all the vets out there. If you're listening and you want to get involved in audio or you've stumbled upon this particular episode of working class audio, please check the show notes and reach out to buddy. Yeah, man. Thank you again. Thank you so much, sir. God bless. Take care. Buddy Lee Daubertine here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Thanks so much for being here with me today. Our friends over at Cali Audio have just introduced the brand new LP UNF system, which is meant to give you everything you need from a studio monitor in a package that you can basically set up anywhere. And the system is specifically designed for your desk. So no matter how else you're using your desk, reflections from the drivers to the desk to your ears are accounted for. 
giving you a perfectly clear picture of your mix that you can rely on to translate well. Whether you're putting them on stands behind your desk, on a desk away from walls, on a desk against a wall, on a desk on speaker stands away from the walls, there's a number of configurations and they have settings on the back to accommodate all of that and more. And if price is a concern, never fear. They're priced at $299. That's right, pretty affordable. Head on over to CaliAudio.com and check out the new LPUNF. Want to thank everybody that helped out with the show. That includes, of course, Cliff Truesdell for the Working Class Audio theme song. Mr. Chuck Smith there in the beginning with his wonderful voice. And Anne-Marie Plo for editing the show. Spread the word. Head on over to WorkingClassAudio.com. And until next time, take care. Hey, I know many of you are aware of this, but for those of you that aren't aware... Working Class Audio sponsors the forum over at gearspace.com called Audio Life. And quite simply put, it's a place where audio professionals can go to talk with other audio professionals about things other than audio gear, including life hacks, work-life balance, health and hearing loss. You know, if you want to talk with other audio professionals who can identify with what your lifestyle is like and how it relates to things going on in the world outside of audio, this is a great place to go and check out. So head on over to gearspace.com, check out Audio Life, many of the same topics that we discuss here on the show on gearspace.com. So check that out. <laughs> <laughs>